It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Today's guest, Susan Packard, believes that emotions can sink us or they can power us like fuel to succeed. Susan has developed a program that can help us grow emotional fitness so that we can thrive in all areas of life. According to Susan, success is an inside job. Susan is the co-founder of HGTV and its former chief operating officer. She worked on the startup teams for HBO and CNBC. She's a speaker, a guest expert on television and radio, and an op-ed contributor. Susan is the author of Fully Human, Three Steps to Grow Your Emotional Fitness in Work, Leadership, and Life. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan, for having me. So, Susan, you teach us that we should grow our emotional fitness in order to thrive in all areas of life. When did you learn that emotions play a vital role in the workplace? Well, it all came together for me when um, I was asked to join HGTV. I was its second employee and um, its chief operating officer. I was 39. And, you know, uh, it was one of those situations where I had sort of powered through roadblocks all my life mm-hmm. and had gotten to a place um, of leadership, but it was all external and all surface, and it was time for me to kind of press the pause button and to say, okay, if I am really going to, this, this idea has so much promise, and if I'm going to be an effective leader in this company, I need to know what I stand for and, you know, what core principles drive me. And so it was about that time at 39 that I really started asking the harder questions that um, effective leaders need to ask of themselves so that they can connect with their, you know, their organization. Was that experience, was that time in your life the inspiration for the book, Fully Human? I would say that that experience, I mean, I, I didn't have any idea I'd ever be writing books, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, because the first book I wrote, New Rules of the, <clears throat> excuse me, New Rules of the Game, is really more about the actions and strategies and behaviors to navigate a workplace successfully. But at 39, I, you know, I, I realized I had those things and they'd help me, but I needed to go a little deeper. And that's what fully, and so yeah, absolutely, that's what the inspiration for the book is all about. So Susan, you were one of the leaders of the newly created cable industry. And as a woman who was in a male-dominated industry, what did you learn from those early days of your career? Well, for me, it was always about the learning. And, um, you know, you can have a good college degree and, you know, and all of that, but then you go into the workplace and can you learn the job? And I wanted to learn this job. This this tech. It, it, it was cable back then, cable TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to understand it and learn it. So the only people around to teach me were men, and I didn't really see 
it is a gender issue. Um, in my first book, I talk about climbing poles, you know, with some of my clients and just trying to see the business through their eyes, which is an EQ um, practice, you know, is be understanding what's important to your client is, I think, foundational to being effective as a, whether you're a marketer or a salesperson or a manager. Um, and so that was what that was about. And it, it just so happened, and it was unfortunate because I would have loved to have had female role models, but they weren't around at the time. And so, you know, you do what you can and you learn what you need to learn regardless. So you just mentioned that it was an EQ practice. Let's talk about that for a moment. What is emotional fitness? Emotional fitness is the modernized version, the fortified version of the idea called emotional intelligence, or EQ for short, that was brought to workplaces in the 90s. It's a skill set, and it's basically self-awareness, um, and it's also reading others and responding effectively to, their, to them and their emotions. So it's two things, and, you know, it was, um, technology was just starting to take off in the 90s when this idea came into being. So here we are in the work world of 2019, and technology dominates it, so, you know, that, I felt it was critical that that got, that got um, addressed in this book, as well as outside the workplace. There's so much emotional chaos and anxiety that we're feeling. You know, there was a lot, I, in my book, I have a lot of research on 40 million people are feel, experience some sort of social anxiety, and 21 million people in substance abuse and more suicides than homicides, all of this going on today, and the numbers have never been more dire, truthfully. So it's really hard to practice good EQ. Um, it's a harder time today, and we bring a lot of this unsettled, these unsettled feelings into the workplace with us. So this idea that the book is about the three steps is what do you do about that, and how can you um, live your your best and most productive emotional life, whether it's work or outside of the workplace, and that's what these th- these three steps help with. So the the three components that you write about: willingness, trust, and we principles. Looking at the first, willingness, taking action, be willing to try. What do you believe holds so many of us back from taking action? Well, if if I had to say just one thing. I would say we're unsettled because of some experiences we've had in the past. In the past could be 24 hours, it could be this morning, um, that we don't really want to have to address. Mm -hmm. So as a result, we just keep pushing forward and we shut it out and we stuff it down and then we eventually run out of room. What happens after that is a lot of different things, none of which are good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I would say that's the main reason we don't want to do it because, I mean, it's kind of scary to look under the hood and, and to really get a sense of what your deep inner principles are about, you know, who you are, you know, settle into yourself to know what's important to me and, you know, get to this place where our noble emotions lie is a process. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but I think people, I know that was true for me until I turned 39. You know, I just kept, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And from a work performance standpoint, no one knew that, you know, I needed other parts to complete me except me. And it finally got to that place at, you know, 39, where I said, okay, Susan, it's time to start taking some inventory here. And for you, it was age 39. For me, it was age 43. I had a complete upheaval in my life at that age, at 43 years old. And the result of that is doing the work that I'm doing now. I Hmm. had been raising my children and being the perfect wife and lost sense Hmm. of who I was. And so I reevaluated mm. at age 43. I asked the difficult questions, went through a lot of change, a lot of transformation, but this is all the result of that self-examination. Mm, isn't that wonderful? I mean, I know it sounds like it was really painful, and it is, and this is why people don't want to do it. But when you get to the other side, it's so wonderful. It is. It is. And it, it's a lot of what I've learned, uh, what I believe is it's a lot of fear that holds us back, that keeps us from taking a chance because we'd rather just stay safe and comfortable and doing what you said, putting one foot in front of the other instead of going into the unknown. But the unknown is beautiful. It could be. Yeah, and you know, you're absolutely right. Of all the emotions in the workplace and whether I was inside a a company and and working with people or now as I, you know, mentor others, um, it's fear. That is the most f- fundamental, unproductive, self-limiting emotion that we have. And, you know, we have to, it's, it's, if we want to have peace of mind, we have to deal with it. Well, Susan, you've taken on so many challenging projects. And, and by anyone's standards, you're, you're an accomplished woman. How did you move through your fears? How were you able to push those aside and take on all of these challenges? Well, um, I have I've, I have two practices um, that I've taken on. Um, one is a meditative, um, contemplative practice, mm-hmm. and so I've learned a certain form of meditation, which is is more than just you know sitting in quiet. I mean, it's sort of a way of how you see the world and how you relate to one another and um, how you cherish people and hopefully they cherish you. I mean, it all comes out of this practice. And I'm um, in the book at the very end of the book, last chapter, I, I really struggled with this, but I ultimately wrote it and it was about my I'm in recovery. And so that's a whole nother practice of um, a way to live. I mean, I feel so fortunate because I have both of these that I can rely on that sort of are all summed up in these three steps. And, um, you know, no one has to go through what I went through mm-hmm. um, or maybe what you went through. Um, and, they, you know, you can read this book, and if you do these things, you really can get to a place of, um, of joy and fulfillment. And what I like about what you just said, for so long, a meditative practice, people who meditated, they were viewed as hippies from, you know, Southern Mm -hmm. California, but people like you, like me, I'm a true type A personality. 
To be able mm-hmm. to bring a spiritual practice into the business world and to show the scientific benefits of that, mm-hmm. I think that that's such a great point that you're making. Yeah, and the good news is there is a whole lot of science behind it. So those left-brainers out there who <laughs> want to defy <laughs> you when you, you argue about it, you can show them all the neuroscience, and it's, it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. So your second component of the EQ Fitness is trust. And for someone who's been through a very challenging time, someone who's experienced a lot of loss, a lot of pain, how can that person find the trust that's necessary to build healthy relationships? Well, I guess it starts with, did the person that you might want to build trust with be the person who gave you the pain? Um, Then it's, you know, it's, it's really a, a choice of how vulnerable do you become? Because the thing about trust is it can feel like a high wire act between vulnerability and self-protection. And, you know, again, how, how open do you want to become? But that's also true with those that might be strangers to you that you work with. And, you know, you come into the workplace and, it's, it feels so gratifying to have relationships of trust in the workplace. But at the same time, you know, I say we have a willing heart, but we also have a shrewd eye. Not everyone is deserving of our trust. You know, and, and that's a part of your evaluation of, okay, you know, because it's a reciprocal relationship. It takes two to tangle with trust. So um, so that's part of it, too. But, you know, it's probably not much different than, than willingness from the standpoint of the fear. Mm-hmm. If you can get over, um, just sort of push through. You know, you can call yourself a scaredy cat. I call myself a scaredy cat all the time. But somehow I find some way, whether it's a girlfriend who gives me support or my husband or whatever, um, to, you know, to push through these moments of fear. Writing this book. I mean, I, I really, it was a big pause for me to think about, do I really write this book? But I'm hopeful, you know, that maybe it can provide some, some guidance and for, for others, you know. And it's, it's a wonderful foundation for the we principles, because what I've learned in business today, and, and I'm a firm believer that we're moving more to um, a state of collaboration than competition. I think we get more accomplished when we work together as a we, where there are win-win scenarios set up that everybody benefits. So when there's so much pride and ego and so much of that, um, you know, eat or be eaten mentality, how do we make this shift to the we, to the collaboration, to win-win? Well, um, having... You know, a, a lot of it is, um, it depends on where you are in your organization, but everybody can, can contribute here. Um, it's just, it looks a little bit differently depending upon if you're, for example, in the C-suite versus if you're um, in middle management or, you know, a worker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, but in all cases, this process, the we principles are when we move ourselves aside for a greater good. And that greater good can be your team, it can be your family, it can be your community, it can be any number of things. Um, This is a discipline because we're not by nature 
I mean, by nature, we, we start with ego, you know, we, 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 and we need to survive. And so ego is good to help us survive. But what it doesn't do, at least what it didn't do for me, is it didn't help me to thrive. It didn't help me to emotionally be fulfilled. Um, I needed something different and something more. And so we principles are the our EQ fit leaders and P, and workers. You know, they know when to trade those moments of me mm-hmm. for the the moments of grace that you get with we. And it's not all the time. Again, we need ego too, but it's that balance that is missing today in um, in how people work. I mean, if something material happens, let's say I manage a team of people, and something really dramatic happens that impacts them, I don't care what it takes. I am going to assert my ego and my power to not let that happen again. But if it's something that um, I may, I was most likely just in the eye of the storm, you know, sort of in the middle of the hurricane there, and I really wasn't even, I got impacted by it, but it really wasn't directed at me, then I let that go. It's just not worth worrying about and, you know, putting it into your brain and tossing it around. And knowing how to do that is a ju- it's a judgment, but it comes with practice and a few birthdays and practicing these steps as well. The book is Fully Human, Three Steps to Grow Your Emotional Fitness in Work, Leadership, and Life. If you'd like to get more information about Susan and her work, you can visit SusanPacker.com. Susan, in about 30 seconds or less, you're a successful leader. You've been surrounded by successful leaders, and you've studied successful leaders. What do you believe is the most important trait that a successful leader must have? I think it's compassion. I think that um, the most successful leaders I've known and read about and over the, over the centuries I've lo- you know, looked at, they have compassion. And that's a connector. And it allows you to lead others. And, and also it allows you, you know, self-compassion. It allows you to be in a good place in terms of how you carry yourself and how you do connect with others. Susan, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing ways that we can grow our emotional fitness so that we can thrive in all areas of life. I agree with you. Success is an inside job and you provide wonderful tools that can help us bring our full selves to all we do. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.